Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. So we're in the passage Vayeshef, which uh, means he settled, covers Genesis 37 through 40. And at the outset, there are lots of what we've covered in years past on this particular passage, but we're going to be hitting some high points of this here today. In particular, uh, we're going to be taking a look at the betrayal of Yosef by his brothers and they're debating about what to do with him and then selling him to the Mitzrayim bound traders and how that seems to parallel some of Yeshua's betrayal and multiple trials you know both of those giving Israel and the nations specifically Rome the opportunity to repent uh, from this malevolent action that they were taking or you could say murderous inaction in some of those cases and the other thing we touch on it's always an important thing we've hit this in years past but always great to emphasize that Yosef is a model for standing firm on what's immovable the the tour the rock of Israel and fleeing from this urge to assimilate to do as the Egyptians do, as you might say. So, this is a great theme to be hitting here, even if briefly, during this time of Hanukkah, because that is the topic and the remembrance there of Hanukkah is not only about the dedication of the temple, the rededication of the temple, uh, more precisely, but also about not assimilating, not being pulled into the culture around you to the point that uh, what is essential to be holy, to be separate, is not separate. And you become indistinguishable from the culture and the nations around and you know, stop becoming an ambassador. Something we've mentioned in, in previous occasions, there's a, a quotation that's uh, credited between a uh, between president reagan and one of his ambassadors it's it said that you know when he was calling the men to talk with them that he he would ask his ambassadors well uh who do you represent and you know when one of the ambassadors would say well i represent such and such country he said no they have their own ambassadors that they send here you represent you represent the united states to that nation so Remember who it is that you represent and why the mission you were sent there. So, by an analogy, when the Apostle Paul then says that we are ambassadors of the Messiah and ambassadors of the message of heaven, so we should also not forget who we are and who we serve in the nations around us, no matter how difficult the situation might get. So, that's the... Yes... Go right ahead. Yeah. 
he settled. Well, the the way these things are usually named is from the right the beginning of the passage. So if you go back to Genesis 37 verse 1, so it says now Yaakov lived, so the lived is there the the Vayeshev and he lived. So that he there is you know taken by context to mean uh Yaakov or Jacob. Yeah, talking about that move, move uh, toward this generation to Yaakov's generation and to his twelve sons, and then the or seen in here the descent down towards Mitzrayim, toward Egypt. Is that does that help? Okay. All right. Some of the the high points we're going to hit uh, just before we launch into uh, what we're going to hit uh, differently this time around, um, some of which we've hit in years past, but just a great reminder of some of these things in chapter 37. We've got Yosef is dreaming and then his uh, brothers are scheming toward his death. And we see this rift here, this rift that becomes um, more pronounced there when you actually have the, the kingdom being established later on, the rift there between Yosef and Yehuda, and that rift that then becomes the northern kingdoms led by, you know, Ephraim, a son of Yosef, and then between Judah and the south. So that sort of rift is foreshadowed in what you see coming here with the the rift between Yosef and his brothers that would be coming later on down in time. In Genesis 38, we've got this, um, what seems to be a strange departure in the story with Yehuda and Tamar and this uh, Leverite marriages that happen in between. We've, we've hit this on previous occasions on uh, and you can see that at hello.info slash p9 where we've gone into really a lot of detail but one of the key you could say the punchline when we talk about uh, yeshua's parables when he's telling a parable the good thing is to always look for the punchline because the punchline will help you keep on track for what the whole goal of the story what the whole goal of the parable the teaching is so and sometimes the interpretations can get sidetracked or distracted by some of the details. But if you focus on the punchline and then work backward from that, it can help keep on track with that. And the punchline of this particular passage is the quotation from Genesis 38, uh, 26, where he, uh, Yehuda, after he realizes that uh, he has been found out, he says, she is more righteous than I am. And in years past, we've gone into the details of that, but the you could say a good synopsis of is Yehuda lost track of what he was, <laughs> what his purpose was, and what he was supposed to be doing. And you saw some hints of that of the fear of uh, passing along one of his sons when he was supposed to, to complete that. Now. An interesting thing to to take a look at, uh, we're not going to be going to that particular area today, but there is a parallel to this uh, with uh, Shaul, with Saul, King Saul, and David there in 1 Samuel 24. That's the account with um, where uh, David finds Shaul in the cave, 
and he comes up and uh, you know cuts one of the the corners. You could say cuts the tzitzi off one of the tzitzi off of his garment, and then uh, shows it to Shaul later. And long story short, said, "Hey, I could have killed you at this particular time, but I did not because." Uh, the Lord has anointed you and I'm not going to act against it. And then that's where Shaul says to him, you are more righteous than I am. So a little bit of a parallel there, but actually when you see what is going on, you could say it may fit also with a parallel, what we see in Genesis 39 with this whole interplay between Yosef and Potiphar's wife, and then being in prison, what you see is also (laughs) a, a good illustration to not walk like the walk walk like the nations around you to not walk like an egyptian in this case to not go with what you want to do even if that's what the culture says is okay um a quotation here that's really helpful from the apostle paul when he's uh, writing a letter to timothy in the second letter second timothy 2 verse 22 He says, now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord with, from a pure heart. So that's when you're talking about Yosef, it could be really called uh, Yosef the pure, because that is one of the great legacies. And we'll see that as his story and has, as he continues on. Now, one of the things that we see is that this connection between Yosef and the Lord is mentioned several times in Genesis 39, 2, in verse 5, verse 21, verse 23, or variations of this theme where it says, the Lord was with Yosef. The, the Lord was blessed what Yosef was doing in his house. And it was one of the reasons why Potiphar uh, turned over uh, the administration of his house to him. So, Thus, you get a model with Yosef as how to walk like a tzaddikim, to walk like a righteous one, one of the righteous ones, that you do not just move with your impulses, you don't do what's convenient, you don't do what you feel like doing, you do what is expedient in the long term. And that's why you see that the Lord is in the realm of that which is Leolam over the horizon beyond which what we can see. So thus to trust the Lord's words because they are seen from a vantage point that we cannot see. So why is it good to have self-control? Why, you know, say, well, you're just denying yourself. You're repressing yourself. You're, you're bottling things up and not reaching your full potential. Well, sadly, too many people bumble around in life and sadly run into terrible situations, maybe once in their life, maybe again and again and again, simply from the standpoint of, well, I didn't see that coming. In a sense, um, there is a way to see that coming because one of the great benefits that the words of the Lord give us is to see that these following these impulses uh, can lead to bad situations. And one of the benefits we have with the words of God is the the bad situations are not sugarcoated, um, giving us the 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 just the most uh, 
not like the, the polished uh, PR message here, but the stark reality of where things can go bad. We see the contrast between Genesis 38 and Yehuda and Tamar, and the other side of that with uh, Genesis uh, 39, where Yosef and Potiphar's wife and took the opposite approach to it. Now, in Genesis 40, we have where Yosef is interpreting the dreams while he's in prison. And the, one of the key punchlines you have in there is the phrase in Genesis uh, 40, verse 8, where he says, Do not interpretations belong to God. And we'll see that in our next uh, parasha, our next Torah reading, where one of the key punchlines in when Yosef is interpreting Pharaoh's dream, now after he has interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh's servants. Now he's going to interpret Pharaoh's dream with the, the great um, prophecy of these 14 years that were coming. You know, half good, um, half bad, and to plan ahead. So in that case, you're in preview of coming attractions. You know, the Lord is giving Pharaoh a look over the horizon 14 years and saying, Oh, you better prepare. And I have you know, sent the servant here, Yosef, to help you prepare, help you get ready for what's coming. So, that's a brief overview of the particular passage here. We've gone into a lot of these items in detail over the years, and you can take a look at those items. But what we're going to focus on today are, are some interesting parallels, because one of the things that you see in the trials of, of Joseph is that his, um, the things that keep happening to him, you could say, were part of an overarching thing that was leading the whole family of Israel toward Mitzrayim. So, yes, there were things or bad things that were happening, but they were also... Uh, a part of a greater thing. So, when we finally get down to one of the punchlines of Yosef's story in a future Torah reading, where he reveals himself to his brothers, you know, he's saying, hey, he embraces his brothers because what you meant for evil, the Lord meant for good. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it, you know, all things work together for good. You know, people just think, well, that, that means that any bad situation will work out toward the good thing. But, yeah, that doesn't always happen in life, where bad situations always turn about. The, the happy ending always comes around where things in life. The key for us is to look beyond these sad endings that happen in our life, to look out toward the future where everything will be wrapped up. As as we mentioned, one of the, the great things to remember and the, the reading that we have each Rosh Chodesh where we read from Isaiah 66 and we read that, you know, from one new moon to the next and one Shabbat to the next, all mankind will come to worship before the Lord. And we see that that is coming after the day of the Lord, which is the time of darkness, smoke and gloom into a world where there'll be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, and the former things will be passed away. Now, that is great. That's the good part out on that side. But look at what happens in between. Some things that are just 
not pleasant that happened in there. So we then have to overcome our own situations and make our own choices like Yosef to choose to follow, walk with the Lord and not say, uh, we're going to walk our own way and you know the Lord will just uh, bless whatever it is that we do, even if we're walking in a totally different direction. So some of the comparisons here, there are many others, but we're just going to highlight just a few here today. Um, one, if we look at Yosef's life, <laughs> but one of the things that always, um, you could say maybe laugh, but also cry in a sense where his brothers say in Genesis thirty-seven nineteen, he says, well, here comes that dreamer. Or as it is there in Hebrew, you know, the Baal Hal uh, Halmo uh, Halomot. Yes. The master of dreams, the Baal of dreams. Here he here he comes. But one of the comparisons that you have of that is with Yeshua, a statement there in the prelude, the the preamble in John chapter one, verses eleven through thirteen. It says there he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Now, in that, you have a lot of... um undertones of the accounts that we're going through right now. We're thinking of, you know, this account of Yaakov and what the ancestors going back you know, with, with Sarah, with Rivka and coming in here, uh, what the miraculous, um, miraculous births that were involved in that particular case. And then you see the parallel of that with the miraculous birth that brought the word to make flesh, miraculous birth through Miriam, that in this case, you see the move of heaven coming, not because people are willing it and it happens, but that the will of heaven is, in a number of cases, overriding situations though you might think the situation should go that one particular way the firstborn getting all the honor but in the case of yosef you're you're getting one of the nearly last born in the among the sons of uh yaakov that he then gets the great honor among the brothers where the brothers were angry at this you know who made you the greatest among us and even his father saying, hey, you want uh, your mother and me to bow down to you? Is that what you, you think is going to happen? Well, we could see that that is indeed a foreshadowing of what would happen later on when the family comes to encounter Yosef. But in this particular time period, you could see that the Lord is working in a way that you just may not expect an interesting account as been Genesis the thirty-seven twenty-eight. Um, 
the uh, medieval uh, Jewish commentator Rashbam had an interesting take that a lot of people have riffed on over the years where he was saying the that when they pulled Yosef out of the pit, uh, the interesting thing of context, um, and you, you might have noticed that through the entire account here, you really had to keep track of what the it's like we were the question right at the beginning. What what does the he mean there? Uh, like with he settled, what is the he? What is the they? So the Rashbam was saying, well, one way to look at it just by the immediate context of it is the they could mean the Midian traders, not the brothers, were the ones that hauled them up out of the pit. Um, in various ways that they explained how that could have happened where the Midians snuck in there and even though the brothers saw the Ishmaelites coming up that the Midianites were the ones that actually took him out of there and and uh, sold him off but some of what is uh, been riffed on over the centuries is that this discussion the the debating between the brothers you know first they're saying you know we're we'll kill him and we'll be getting to that in a bit but that moderating over time going from killing then you've got the suggestions uh, from the older brothers among them no let's just uh, put him into a pit and uh, then sell him off so not not kill him so they you see with the um, actions of Rubain, uh wanting to fish him out and save him but then actions happening outside of his purview so one of the conclusions that's come down through that and a good warning is that sometimes even our inaction or partially malevolent action partially damaging actions or hurtful actions can lead to something far worse so it is not even a road to even start down because you may not know how it's going to end so you had this actions toward yosef happening from his brothers out of jealousy and then spiraled out of control to the point of either they directly sold them off or indirectly sold them off by leaving them out there and the traders grabbed them and sold them off either way inaction can be as bad as direct action and something very similar that you see in yeshua's life and um interesting thing of the different trials that you see you know first between you know herod and Pilate, and they're it's very strange you're seeing them passing them back and forth and then uh, coming to be good friends as they as they did so acknowledging each other but the you're you're seeing the interesting question well who is yosef in the case of the brothers one of the things that they were mad about was that you know he was getting these dreams but he was also loved by his father and one of the tokens of love is this uh special special garb given to him to single him out as being um, set apart from his brothers so interesting thing you see uh, in what we've talked about in years past about chapter 38 with yehuda being separated from his brothers or as the hebrew indicates he descended from his brothers with the sense of a headed downhill in his approach but one of the parallels you see in the account of one of Yeshua's trials, this case in the Rome's court, Matthew 27, verse 24, 
or Pilate in this case, took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. Well, this is one of those cases where you think of, well, inaction, where is that going to lead? You, you have a crowd that's calling for his death. What do you think is going to happen if you just say, I'm going to turn it over and you, you, you see to it yourselves? Well, um, he was going to send it over to the crowd to deal with it. Eventually, he capitulates to the crowd. Various historians have taken issue with uh, this kind of the helpless pussycat approach to Pilate that he was so easily swayed when historical accounts have him as being diabolical in his uh, crackdowns on the uh, uprisings in Israel during his time as uh, procurator. But in this case, we see the account of the passing back and forth. The, I'm not going to make a decision, but in that case, making a decision. One, um, even in secular ideas and secular rumblings and calling philosophy, there's the idea that you know if you decide not to make a choice, you have made a choice. If you choose not to decide, you still have made that choice. If you just decide to sit things out, because I don't want to be tainted with that. Well, it may be that your inaction causes the very thing that you were not wanting to happen. So, that's one of the key warnings in this. Another parallel with Yosef's life, we find there in Genesis 37.20, where the brothers were saying to each other, uh, now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of these pits, one of these cisterns around here. We will say, a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. Very interesting, because what were his, uh, his grandfather, great-grandfather, what were they all worried about? They were worried about the prophecy of what was going to come with the people of God being frustrated, like you know, with first Sarah, then with Rivka, about they saw that they were so beautiful, so what would happen? They'd go and they'd kill the husbands. And then what would happen to the line? It would be cut off. The line of Israel, this promised line, that was to be a blessing for all nations would be cut off. And here in this case, you have these dreams. You've got two witnesses of this dream, what was going to happen with the family that Yosef was passing along. And they thought, well, if we just kill the dreamer, then the dream will end. Well, where did the dream come from? And are you going to frustrate that just by killing the dreamer? Sometimes you wonder if that's what's behind what we read about, uh, both in the prophets and in Revelation, with the two witnesses, the old shoot the messenger thing. And you saw that, uh, what Yeshua talked about and, and summing up the history of the prophets, that yeah, there was a lot of shooting the messenger of the prophets that happened throughout the centuries. They, they came to the kings to tell them, and they, they didn't like it. Because why? They were telling them that they weren't so great, that there was someone greater than them. And who, if you are king, wants to be told 
that uh, there is someone greater than you. Mm, not, not a great thing. So the rebellion against these prophets, the ones who speak for God, speak from God, was to just kill them. And you think, well, that's just going to make the problem go away. Well, did we see that in the history of Israel where you killed the messenger and it goes away? No. And it is an interesting parallel that we see with the greater people of God, with Israel, how there have been so many attempts to wipe out Israel over the centuries, over the thousands of years to wipe out Israel. You think, oh, we take them out, then we don't hear any of this, you know, words of God thing anymore. There's not going to be any judgment coming anymore. We take them out. We see that with the the witnesses coming on the day of the Lord. Well, if we take them out, there goes the message. Well, yeah. First of all, you're, you're talking about the creator of heaven and earth who is able to resurrect not just peoples, but nations, as we see foretold. But also, you're talking about the creator of heaven and earth who can bring things into existence and take them out. So, fr- the ability of people to frustrate that, um, not really six- a great track record throughout history of, of doing that. So, looking forward, um, we can trust that that's also not going to be a successful track record in frustrating that. We see a parallel with that in the life of Yeshua as a, just one example here in Matthew 26, verses, verses 3 and 5. Uh, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas, and they plotted together to seize Yeshua by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot may occur among the people. (laughs) It's always quite, um, quite uh, peculiar to hear this kind of a comment as we see in later accounts that where they say better that one man die for the then the whole nation will be destroyed so the i the political rumblings of it and that's actually one of the things that the uh Torah club is going to be going over this particular week is uh, looking at Anas and Caiaphas and the political machinery that happened between the time of the Maccabean revolt where they rededicated the temple, took the nation back from the Seleucid Empire, but then um, through infighting, backstabbing, ended up right back into the hands of Rome with leadership that was on their face. They have the garb of a connection with God, but they've actually sold out, even to the point of being so sold out that the high priest didn't even have ownership of the high priest's clothing anymore. They had to basically go to the procurator at the time and go, oh, pretty please, may I have these, these, this clothing to um, perform these, these ceremonies certain times of the year? So, very interesting thing of you have the facade you you like the uh idea the wrapping of the people of god the nation of god yet you deny its power you deny what's really happening underneath it the the jealousy of other people in the family toward the one who's actually chosen to bring the forward in the case of yosef 
and in the case of Yeshua, among Yeshua's brothers, then the leaders of Israel being jealous, hey, the power of God is working through him. You saw that again and again when he would do a miracle in connection with, well, uh, whose authority do you think I am doing this on? Then he does a miracle and they're like, ah, they get jealous because not only does he speak with authority, but he acts and has the power of the authority that the leaders of the people were claiming to have with what they were saying and what they were telling people to do. So a very interesting parallel that we see that really brings us here up to this time of Hanukkah, where we see the question yet again, are we going to bend the knee to the powers that force us to bend the knee? In some cases where you see with uh, what Yeshua was instructing the people to do, that his disciples, his closest students that yes, they were going to come and they thought and they were going to think that they overpowered you by putting you on trial, by putting you in prison, by chasing you from one city to the next. But are they actually going to destroy the kingdom of God by destroying you? No, they're not. So we, as in the people of God, you know, we may fall when then we see a lot of what happens in the day of the Lord, we may succumb to some of the jealous thrashing about of the power of the adversary, rebelling against this judgment that's coming upon this world that's gone quite different from the ways of God. But who do we trust? Do we trust our ability to live five minutes longer? Or do we trust the one who is able to restore our life to where there is no five minutes longer, it will continue on as long as he lets it continue on, as when he says eternally. So that is a very hopeful message and a passage to end with on this when we're talking about this uh, great message toward the students of the Mashiach and those who follow the teachings passed down through the students of the Mashiach and John chapter 13 is a very interesting prayer last conversation with it that continues on through chapter 17 of chapter of uh, the gospel of John but uh, starting out here now before the feast of the Pesach Yeshua knowing that his hour had come that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Yehudah Iskariot, the son of Shimon, to betray him, Yeshua, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. He poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Shimon Kephod and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Yeshua answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand thereafter. So Kephod said to him, you shall never wash my feet. 
Yeshua answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no part of me. And Shimon said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Yeshua said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who is betraying him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. So, one of the, uh, and then skipping down to Skipping down to verse 31. Therefore, when he had gone out, Yeshua said, and that's when after Yehudah Ishkariot had gone out, Yeshua said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and uh, God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my students, if you, love one another, if you have love for one another. So that's in a world that is really trying to beat people down into submission to one idea or another that you must believe this or you will be, um, yeah, great word now is canceled. You'll be canceled from this. You'll be canceled from social media. You'll be canceled from some social groups. Some of your friends will not talk to you anymore. Um, some of your family will not talk to you anymore if you hold this idea or that idea. This is just a foretaste of, of things to come. Our brothers and sisters and the people of God have faced this for thousands of years. And some have gone to death even. So our slight struggles that we have, even though they are tough, where we might lose jobs, friends, family, because we will not uh, submit and accept to ideas of the spirit of this age that we are in. You know, know that it is something that has come before. And just like our master Yeshua, so we will go as well. Just like the master, so to the students. So that is something that we can expect as well. And our forefathers there with the time of Hanukkah, the Maccabean revolution, that that was a revolution of saying, no, we're not going to go and to the assimilation anymore. We will, you know, live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we will not go with the words that are proceeded out of the mouth of men. And it's one of those things you, you live in respect of the powers that are around you, just like what Daniel did, just like what Yosef did. And uh, just like what the apostles did, but when it gets to the point where the words of men, that the sword that has been put into the hand of the powers that be, when that is telling people to deny God, to go in a different direction from God, that, as they say, is a bridge too far. Any one that you're 
that we cannot cross anymore. So, like with Yosef, where he was facing with the temptation of it, um, do not stay in that situation where if you think you're going to succumb to it, that you stay there and be enticed into it. You get out of the situation. So, with, with men, that is a, a, a very good thing and uh, a good thing to remember. And with, with uh, teenagers, definitely a great thing to remember that things that get started may not be able to be reined in and stopped. So one of the best things is to not go down that road to begin with. Because like what we were going through just a couple of weeks ago with Revelation chapters 2 and 3, if you start blending these things in that are corrupting and destroying influences into the people of God and into ourselves, they may get to the point where you even lose your love for God anymore. And it says you lost your first love. And in that situation, how do you regain it? You have to go back to your first love and to unwind these entanglements that have come in from the nations and the ideas of the world. So with that, we come to the end here. Are there any questions, thoughts, ideas you'd like to bring up as we wrap up here today? All right. Well, let's close things up with prayer. Father God, we thank you and praise you for giving us the testimony of so many of your servants through time. Father, we just ask that you continue to mold us and to change us, to transform us, that this new creation that you've made us to be, that we can follow along and be like the tzaddikim that have come before us, like Yosef, like Daniel, like Moshe, like all the prophets, the apostles, and we can walk like Yeshua and not walk like the world around us. Father, give us discernment that we can see where the things that we're filling our lives with are taking us. Father, we thank you for having mercy on us and guide us and having mercy on the world around us that our love for one another will be an example that you are truly working through us and that your power is working in the world. Father, we pray for your kingdom to come, but Father, we ask that you prepare us for whether our time will be short or whether it will be long, that we're prepared at all times. We thank you for these things in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Amen. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.